Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday service of Free Community Church. Thank you for joining us this morning. And for those of you who are watching online or watching during the week, thank you for joining us as well. So let's take a moment to greet one another. If you're here on site, you can turn to those around you, give them a wave, give them a smile. Now we're not wearing our masks, so we can see each other's faces a bit better. Uh, if you're watching online, you can type into the YouTube chat, uh, you know, type a greeting in there, and our moderators will be online to also respond to the chat. So as we enter into this sacred space, I just would like to invite each of us to take a moment to just breathe, to just rest. Because I think sometimes we could use a little more rest in our lives, and God has ordained the Sabbath day to be a time of rest and a time of worship. So that's what we're here to do. And we pray that this Sunday will just be that moment for you to rest and breathe in the presence of our loving God. So now I just invite you to rise in body or in spirit and join me in the call to worship. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let, Let us, us be, be glad, glad this day, day for, for life, for, for breath, and, and for freedom to worship. Blessed are you who come in the name of the Lord. We, we come, come to bring, bring our gifts of praise and gratitude to the God of all creation. God is good, and in God's work we find our strength. We, we sing of all God's wonderful works. Let us give thanks and praise to the Lord. So now I invite you to remain standing in body or in spirit. And we have our wonderful worship team here live. Such a treat to have them. And so let's uh, join them in a time of praise and worship. Good morning, church. Resting my hand here to feel my beating heart because I think as a worship team, we are so very thankful to be able to worship live with y'all. But I think more importantly are the people who, despite this being a day of Sabbath, a day of rest, they are working tirelessly behind the scenes, helping us bring this worship life to you. So thank you, production team. Thank you, AV team. Thank you, welcome team. And thank you all of you who are present here today, whether physically or online. Such a blessing to have all of you here. So before we go on to singing, going on to praise and worship, I'd love to invite all of you to reflect on the past week. Whether you're coming off a week of stress and anxiety, or a week of blessings and joy, huge wins, be it this or that, be grateful because we were in good hands. We still are in good hands because who else can love us better? Who else than the God who loves us no matter time and place, in whatever context, without any reason, the God who holds us in faithful and merciful hands, the one we know as a saviour and a friend, the one whose goodness runs after us, yelling, go, go live your life, because I have good plans for you but also the one that is whispering, come back. Remember to come back because I'll always be waiting for you. So this morning, church, 
come back. Let's all come back. Let's come back to the heart of worship, with a heart to worship, and let's sing together. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never fails me. For all my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing. Of the goodness of God All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire. In darkest night, and I close like no other. I've known you as a savior. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God. So let's sing all my life. All my life you have been faithful. Oh, all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Cause your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. It's running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me.
presence of God. Come on, church, let's all sing of the goodness of God. For all my life you have been faithful. Oh, so
Through the way things appear, you're looking into my 
Thank you, church. Please be seated. Good morning, church. Energy very low. Huh? <laughs> Good morning, church. Good morning. We come to a time of prayer, and I wanted to lead you through the Lord's Prayer um, in a slightly different way, um, as a lead into the sermon as well. Let us pray. Our Father, who are in heaven, yet not far away from us, yet ever-present, always, everywhere, with us. Holy be your name. Your kingdom come. Come onto this earth. Your kingdom become part and infused in this place, the here and now. Your will be done, not our will not our selfish desires, but your will for the world, your will for the universe. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and all that nourishes us, all that we need so that our bodies are fed, our hearts are fed, our spirits are fed. You who fed the Israelites with manna from heaven, feed us too. And forgive us our debts, all that we have done wrong, all that we owe. 
as we forgive those who have debts to us. May we learn to forgive as you have forgiven us, God, and lead us not into temptation, the temptation to make it all our, about ourselves and turn us back to the heart of worship. I invite you to be the one guiding us, to be the one leading us, to be the one in charge. Lead us not in temptation, so let us surrender to you, Lord, because you will deliver us from evil. You, you who are good, you who are love, and you who are just. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today, as what we have been doing for quite a while already, we're going to be using Menti. Uh, we, there's a slight change because uh, we have some issues with the, uh, the domain name. So it's not .la anymore, it's .li. So fcc.li slash menti.com. Uh, or you can go to menti.com and key in the code 62021361. Uh, but it's more recommended that you go, just go to uh, menti.com. Um, FCC.li slash mentee. And, you know, through our survey recently, um, there, are f there is feedback that, you know, why are we constantly using mentee? It's distracting. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't add. I want to invite you to think about why, or I want to tell you why I think that mentee is good. Not just because it's engagement, not just because it's entertaining, just, not just because for those who are joining us online, there's a way to engage as well. It is a method to make you think, examine what you believe, what you know, so that you can gain more than just what is preached, but also flex the skills and the muscles to evaluate and analyse other aspects of your faith and perhaps even other passages in the Bible and think more deeply about what we believe in and strengthen our faith in that way. So you are not just accepting what is presented to you, but learn how to figure out for yourselves what you believe. That's how FCC works, and that's at least um, our theology in some ways. We don't coerce or, or push something down with you. We want you to think about it. And you are free to disagree, free to think more deeply, free to explore other ways. And also, sometimes it is also a way to get you to dig deeper and reflect. We don't have many opportunities in our lives to do that because sometimes we are too afraid of what we might see when we look at ourselves honestly. We might be afraid that we might, will be rejected or judged. But in doing this mentee, we want to have that safe space and not judge you. We hope that you engage seriously and grow through that process. It is more than just keying answers, but it's not a test. 
it is a way to learn and grow. I'm very heartened that some of you have grown through this period of time. Because of how we do things, you have learned to look at things from analytical and critical point of view. You no longer accept wholesale everything that's on the surface and you continue to ask questions. So I want to invite you to engage deeply through our mentee. So today's lectionary passage um, takes place after the time where some spies tried to trap Jesus with a trick question. Is it lawful for us to pay tribute to Caesar or not? Well, I've talked about that passage before, but what I'm going to do, what we are focusing is the next passage, which more people want to trap Jesus. This from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 38. Some Sadducees, those who say that there's no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up the children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married, then died childless, and then the second and the third married her. And so in the same way, all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they do not, cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush, where he speaks of the God as the Lord, as the, speak of the, of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, God is God of, not of the dead, but of the living. For to God, all of them are alive. I don't know what you think about the passage, but the first thing I, I, that jumped out at me is, what a misogynistic question the Sadducees asked Jesus. The woman is treated like object. In their minds, their concern was, who does this woman belong to? And just like Jesus replied to the spies early on in, the, in this chapter, Jesus gives, a, gives an answer that doesn't fall into their trap. And... Jesus didn't reduce the woman into a thing in his reply. Jesus tells them they got it all wrong. They assume that the afterlife will be similar to this life. But Jesus tells them in the resurrection, they will neither be married nor be given in marriage. To understand resurrection based on our earthly understanding will be like telling one of the Sadducees how mobile phones work. Even though, I, you know, even I am not sure how mobile phones work exactly. So, Lena, I want to ask you to kick off today. What have you been taught about the afterlife? It's time to whip out your mobile phones or you are watching us online um, to type into Menti. What have you been taught about the afterlife?
maybe you have not been taught anything. No personal human relations, resurrected bodies, go to heaven, that you'll be spent here on earth with Jesus. Judgment, no pain, reunification. Someone was taught, if I'm not baptised, then I don't go to heaven. A lot of things like that. Huh? No more pain and suffering if you go to, um, if you don't, what, what's the, if you go, uh, unless you go to hell, I think. That Jesus had prepared a place for us in heaven, one with God, go to heaven and hell, released and painless, heaven, hell, limbo, Every, everybody's happy forever and ever, heaven or hell depending on your belief, suffer now, enjoy later, 18 levels, they one not Christian, <laughs> they one Taoist, sitting on a cloud with a harp, one time in eternal, we feel more alive, new heaven and new earth, purgatory, new bodies, judgment, see loved ones again if you're lucky. It's scary if you do not do good in this life. It's the judgment of your deed that we will not be able to imagine or recognize. Actually, that's the most accurate answer that we cannot imagine or recognize what it will be like. The truth is, nobody is certain how the afterlife is like or how resurrection works. If someone tells you they are certain, then they are, they are, they are, they are, they are trying to fake it until they make it. There are some things that we can know or we can figure out. Jesus said God is the God not of the dead but of the living. In other words, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob continues to live in God. To God, they are alive. Last Sunday, I was chatting with uh, Pastor Hamish from Inspire Church after the White Hatters event. Let's talk about LGBTQ. Right. He shared with me something I was very shocked. You know, he was telling me, after our chat, Pauline and I met him last September. And we had a very long discussion uh, about many things. And one of the things we talked about was hell. And I told him, I don't believe in hell. And he said, me neither. And he went on to preach a two-part sermon on why he doesn't believe in hell. And, well, another pastor he knew came across his sermons and went on to preach a whole sermon series on hell and it exists. You know, like, why are we fighting whether hell exists? Mm, okay. The irony is, I haven't preached on hell or the afterlife myself. And I wonder, I twiddle my thumbs, and this week just happens to be the passage that talks about the afterlife and resurrection. And I go like, why? Uh, am I afraid of something? I wonder if it's because of what happened to Rob Bell. After his, he published the book, Love Wins, a book about heaven, hell, and the fate of every person who ever lived. I recommend that you go read it because he does a very good job explaining his stance why hell doesn't exist. But after he published this book, he got fired from the church he founded, Mars Hill Bible Church, because he dared to question the existence of hell and the evangelical teaching that only those who believe in Jesus will go to heaven. That book caused a 3,000-person drop in the membership in the church. The church he founded in 1999. Maybe, after this sermon, some of you will decide to leave FCC. 
Some of you, I see, are kind of new as well, and you might just freak out and go like, this is a heretical church. And maybe I will get fired for being heretical. But FCC has always been heretical and scandalous. But hear me out. Then you realise there's no one standard understanding of the afterlife of heaven or hell. So I want to ask you, where do you think our idea of heaven and hell comes from? I'm very naughty here. Where do you think the idea comes from? Have you done some research yourself from the Pope? Dante, I'm very good at like this person. Expose my, where I'm coming from. The church, the Middle Ages, Eastern religions. That one also very accurate. Childhood saints, parents, the Bible, art. Oh, they one very good. Because one of the things that you must realise is that back a long time ago, um, not a long time ago, I think in recent, it's only in recent time that we, are, uh, a large part of humanity is able to read. And a lot of people actually don't, in the past, didn't know how to read. So a lot of Christian teachings, it's transmitted through works of art. When you travel to Europe and you look at our churches, there's lots of art that convey the story to all of us. So, media, Haupa Villa, that one is Taoist, la. let me repeat again. Right? Don't confuse the two. Sometimes we draw on that and then we realise that actually it's not. You know? Then you get a clearer idea, traditions, other people's ideas, right? So let me, let me tell you that first, there's no one standard understanding of heaven and hell. And even in the Bible, there's not one understanding. In the Old Testament, from the beginning, in the early, you know, as you read, everybody's soul, go righteous or unrighteous, goes to this place called Sheol the underworld. It's very much like the Greek mythology of the, uh, the uh, Hades, the underworld. Everybody goes there. There's no reward and punishment, right? It is the time of the second temple from 500 BCE and 70 CE, you know, overlapping with Jesus' time, that other ideas of the afterlife started to develop in Judaism. Now, how did that come about? What happened before the second temple? Before the second temple was the period of the Babylonian exile, where the priests and the scribes and the royalty got um, exiled to Babylon. You know, they took all the elite to Babylon, and they were liberated. They were liberated by Cyrus the Great, right? And Cyrus the Great came from where? from the Persian Empire, and what was their beliefs? Zoroastrianism. And they have a certain belief about the afterlife. Now, we must be very... Uh, there's something that we need to pay attention here, right? Um, in the text, in Isaiah, it describes, it calls um, Cyrus the Anointed One. When we read it, we'll just think like, oh, okay, normal, normal. Actually, the word anointed one is the Messiah. And he's the only non-Jew to be described as the anointed one. 
they held him in high regard, the person, the king, who liberated them. So, they have, uh, Zoroastrianism has a lot of influence over Judaism during that period of time. Early Judaism, if you examine carefully, wasn't monotheistic. But this period was when it starts, the, the religion starts to shift and change, very influenced by the Persian faith. Right? And this is what um, the Zoroastrians believe of the afterlife. At the time of death, the soul must pass over a narrow bridge. At the entrance of the bridge stands the dana, right, or conscience, a maiden who becomes identified with the individual soul. The good souls see a beautiful and dignified woman. The evil souls see a witch. The good, led by the maiden, will pass over to the house of songs or paradise as angel-like beings who will serve as guardians of the living good people. The souls of those who have lived evil lives will be attacked by the witch and fall as demons into the dark, cold ravine of the house of lies that is hell. Sounds very familiar, right? This idea of hell as a place of eternal punishment and other theological ideas as like the cosmic battle of good and evil and monotheism all came from Zoroastrianism that heavily influenced Judaism at the time. So that started shifting. And that, you know, was where we arrived, where the Sadducees talked to Jesus. Then, when Christianity was founded, we are influenced by two, and some of you mentioned just now during the, uh, the Menti question, by two poems. The first is Dante's Divine Comedy. This was completed in 1320, and it heavily influences our understanding of hell, right? Um, and you can see that, you know, the round thing in the center is um, the earth, right? And then as you rise up closer to the top is paradise, heaven. And then there are the nine spheres surrounding um, earth, right? Because that's how they understood the universe to be working. The spheres move, um, just as the, because each of the spheres are identified with the planets, and that's how they assume um, the, cosm the cosmology or, or astrology back then. Now we know that it doesn't work that way, that we actually revolve around the sun. And the planets revolve around the sun and not around the earth. Now if you look closely, this is hell, right, in the bowels of the earth. And there are nine levels of hell. This is the idea that came from here, not anywhere else, you know. Um, and that's um, Dante's uh, idea. It's an Italian poem. And then later on, John Milton wrote Paradise Lost in 1667 and built on that. And the, our ideas of Satan and hell and all that, a lot of the ideas actually came from there as well. And, not, and they are interpretation of the biblical texts and heavily influence how we understand heaven and hell today. The lack of one understanding is actually quite simple. Just like 2,000 years ago, nobody can tell you anything certain about the afterlife. It's something that we find out when our time comes. 
Now, there's one more group of people I want to share with you about that um, uh, Pastor Hemi shared, you know, shared with me and I went, oh, I want to check that out. He shared with me that eaten Orthodox Christians don't believe in hell either, or not the hell that we understand, the internal place of punishment. The Eastern Orthodox, some, not all, believe that heaven and hell are relations to or experiences of God's just and loving presence. There's no created place of divine absence, nor is hell a separation from God. There's no such thing as you are away from God in, their, in this understanding, right? Why? So, their teaching is that hell and heaven are an intensifying presence of experiencing God. So it depends on who you, it depends on your spiritual state that results in how you experience being in the presence of God. So for a person who hates God and by extension hates themselves as God's image bearer, to be encompassed with God by the divine presence could only result in unspeakable anguish. So if you hate God and you enter God's presence, you feel pain, right? And if you love God and you enter into the presence, you feel peace. It is the same thing experienced in different ways depending on your spiritual state. I like this. This resonates with me a lot because I think that there is no place that God should be absent from. From where we come, there we return. How it is like, I cannot be sure. I don't know. And trying to figure it out is like an ant trying to figure out quantum physics or figuring out the universe. But it is not the thing that I'm most concerned about. Because I believe that if I believe, if I believe that God is a loving God, and if God is just, then I have no fear. I do not fear because I trust in God's love, that perfect love that casts away all fear, a love that's so radical that includes everyone. God's love is not obstructed by our failures and our faults and our sins. God's love transcends those barriers, breaks through those barriers. Our ancestors of faith in the Bible are presented as flawed human beings. Even the best of them have flaws. And in spite of that, God did not forsake them. God continued to abide by them. You know, we have Jonah who ran away, you know, didn't want to listen to God. And yeah, swallowed by a fish, but God was still present with Jonah. Our ancestors of faith, Abraham, Sarah, Rebecca, Isaac, Jacob, Leah, Rachel, are all presented in to us in all their humanness, the good and the bad. You read about how Sarah treats Hagar. You read about how Rebecca treats, you know, having, uh, treats the, the two sons, Jacob and Esau. You read about both sides, the full humanity of who they are. And yet, God was with them. You know, if people are writing stories about ancestors in faith that they they admire, that they see as examples in some way, why would they write all the negative stuff? Why would they write down and make them look really bad? 
because none of us are good. They're not faking it. They're telling it like it is. And they're telling it like it is because the point is God still ran after them. God still loved them. Even when they are screwed up, even they made a mess of things, even when they did terrible stuff, they could be redeemed. We can be redeemed. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8 that I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Then, why are we, you know, so worried about heaven and hell and all that? Why the rush to defend that existence? I don't know. Like the Sadducees question to Jesus, whose wife is the woman trying to know for sure how the afterlife is like is asking the wrong question. Faith isn't about guaranteeing a spot in heaven or escaping from the fires of hell. Faith is about trusting in God's love. Faith isn't, about a, tr- isn't a transaction. It isn't, I believe, so I am saved and I go to heaven. Faith is trusting in the goodness of God no matter what. No matter what circumstance we find ourselves in life, no matter where we are, no matter when we find that I screwed up and I hate myself, that I know God still loves me. Then in faith, we should no longer be worried about what happens after we die. We trust that God will be there. Jesus says God isn't the God of the dead, but of the living. God isn't the God of the dead, but of the living. Heaven and hell isn't just about the life hereafter but also about the life here and now. God isn't the God of the life hereafter. God is the God of the here and now. Look around us. All the violence, all the hate, all the wars, all the conflicts, all the evil, all the exploitation. Hell is real. You can certainly find somewhere on this planet, there is hell. And it's not just one place, and it's probably many, many places. Rob Bell writes, we need a loaded, volatile, adequately violent, dramatic, serious word to describe these very real consequences that we experience when we reject the good and true and beautiful life that God has for us. We need a word that refers to the big, white, terrible evil that comes from the secrets hidden deep within our hearts, all the way to the massive society-wide collapse and chaos that comes when we fail to live in God's world, in God's way. We pray 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's asking for heaven to be here on earth. How does heaven look like to you in your imagination? Not what someone taught you, but what, how does heaven look like to you? How will you know that it is heaven? Peaceful. Love. Music against clouds. Acceptance. Light. Joy. Happy, no sin, like a palace, restoration, order, tranquility, the presence of God. You see God. There's calmness, life. No suffering, close to Jesus, amazing food and drinks. Let me think about that one. You know, got music then, probably got food and drinks. Ah. Look at all those things. Why can't we make that happen here and now? We don't have to wait until we are dead to see God. We don't have to wait till our dead to make love, joy, peace, harmony here on earth. What if heaven isn't about what's going to happen after we die, but also what's happening here in the world? What if Jesus' teachings love each other as I've loved you, do this for the least amongst you, Follow the commandments. Love your neighbour. All that is about making heaven come on earth. What if we can make all of that happen here and now? What if we are called to make that happen here and now? In Matthew 19, a man comes up to Jesus and asks him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And then Jesus' reply was, Why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Rob Bell points out that when we talk about heaven, then or the eternal life or the afterlife or any of that, it is important that we begin with the categories and claims that people were familiar with in Jesus' time in first century Jewish world. They did not talk about a future life somewhere else because they are anticipating a day when the world will be restored, renewed, redeemed, and there will be peace on earth, here and now. They weren't waiting for something to happen after they die. 
So when a man asks Jesus how he can get eternal life, Jesus is not surprised by the question or caught off guard because this was one of the most important things people were talking about in Jesus' day. How do you make sure that you'll be a part of the new thing that God is going to do? How do you best become the kind of person whom God could entrust with significant responsibility in the age to come? The standard answer was live the commandments. God has shown you how to live. Live that way. The more you become a person of peace and justice and worship and generosity, the more actively you participate now in the ordering and working to bring about God's kind of world, the more ready you will be to assume an even greater role in the age to come. Jesus wasn't just preoccupied with a future life somewhere else, but also the life here and now. In other words, if you want heaven on earth, then we got to be aligned with God's will. Then the man asked Jesus, I follow all those commandments. What else do I need to do? And this is very familiar to us. Jesus tells him, sell away your possessions and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. What if Jesus' instruction to this man wasn't that what he needed to do to qualify for eternal life, but rather what the man needed to do to participate in the work of making God's kingdom, heaven, come on earth. The work of restoring, renewing and redeeming the world. It isn't that the rich cannot follow Jesus. But in this story, this man is so attached to his wealth and possessions, he cannot let go. He cannot let go so he can take part in the world that is restored, renewed, and redeemed. He cannot let go to take part in that work. He cannot let go of his wealth so that somebody poor <coughs> can be helped. <coughs> I still wonder why Mars Hill fired Rock Bell. He's an amazing preacher. They fired the founding pastor just because of 3,000 member drop. <coughs> and I wonder why a pastor will react so strongly when he hears another pastor say that hell doesn't exist and keep insisting that hell does exist. Why? I want to ask you why. Why do you think so? Why do you think that people keep talking about hell and insist that it exists in that you know, eternal punishment kind of way that really runs headlong against our understanding of a God that's loving, a God that is grace, a God that's willing to die for us. Reputation. Keep people in church out of fear to control people and their actions. Scare people to obedience. 
So church can hold power and control and threaten. Fear is a powerful motivator. Yes, I agree. Fear that it is too good to be true. Capitalism, that's true too. Because in Jesus' world, it's actually anti-capitalist. Jesus was here to proclaim the year of the Lord, the year of the Jubilee, where all land is returned to its original owners. Captives set free, slaves set free. It's a system that resets itself every 50 years. No one can get super rich. Hell is an idea that there's all kinds of gatekeeping that people actually want to do. It's challenging him in all that he believes in. Alternative, where there's hell, the church has more control over people. Thank you. Maybe it's a way for us to have a space to throw in all the things that we don't like or all the people that we don't like. I don't know. But why do we want to hold on to it? I think that it is much easier to convince people to worry about heaven and hell in the life hereafter instead of convincing people to do something about the heaven and hell here and now. I will tell you it's very scary to think about climate change. A little shift, the sea rises, you know, one degree Celsius and, you know, disasters. The, the weather that goes more and more haywire, and we're fortunate to be in a space that we are not badly affected. But just look, and you'll see droughts and floods everywhere. Consequences of our action. And our work to make heaven on earth is to prevent that. For those people who lost their homes in floods and disasters, those people who are struggling in times of drought, that is hell. What are we doing to be part of God's work to change that? To make heaven and earth one. A world that's restored, renewed and redeemed. People sell you the idea that there's something after this, right? So this one can be thrown away. This current world here and now can be abandoned because there's one that, come af that comes after that. People always tell you, what if there's really a hell? Then I ask you, what if there's no second other planet sec thereafter? What if the afterlife is this life? What if like the Jewish tradition that this is the world that we are supposed to restore? Do we mean it when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or we just memorize the words and just go along with it every time we say it? Do we mean it when we say it's all about you? It's all about you, Jesus. 
and we walk away not thinking about what we need to do to participate in Jesus' work. Do we mean it when we say we surrender it all? Or are we holding on to things we are unwilling to let go of? My task is not to sell you some personal real estate in the afterlife because that is already given to you through God's grace. No need to sell you. You are already given it. If I try to sell you that, I'm actually selling you that something that you already got free. Right? God's grace is already given to you. I don't need to sell that to you. My task is to ask the same question Jesus asked the man in Matthew 19. Will you follow Jesus and His commandments to love one another as Jesus has loved? To love our neighbours as ourselves. To love God with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. So that we participate in God's work on making heaven, God's kingdom come on earth. God's will be done on earth and earth and heaven are one. It's not an easy task. It might sound tough. That's why we have each other. We don't go it alone. Jesus is with us always, always. We take communion every Sunday and we allow ourselves to be part of this body of Christ. And that allows you to participate in something bigger than we imagine. You do not have to be afraid that you fail at it. You just need to participate in it. We might not see the day that heaven comes on earth in this time. But that is no reason why we don't participate in the work. We join in generations and generations of faithful followers of Jesus to transform the world one little bit at a time. You have been called. You have been invited. And you are enough to participate in the work. Don't think that you are too small or too insignificant because this kingdom needs all of us to participate in. This kingdom requires all our hearts, all our minds, all our strength. And that is what it means to worship, to love, this God of the living that we follow. Amen.
So thank you, Pastor Miak, for the sermon. It's a pretty challenging message. I think for some of us who have been, you know, grown up in church, the doctrine of heaven and hell is uh, quite settled. So maybe you need time to think about it. You can talk to others, talk to our church leaders, or your thoughts if you feel this sermon was challenging. But um, as we come to communion, I think one thing heaven has been described as is a banquet, a wedding banquet. So in the table of communion, we actually get to experience a little piece of heaven, and that also helps us to be that little piece of heaven as we go out from here to those around us. So we gather each Sunday at this table, and even though at this time we are not all physically together, the table of God's feast transcends time and space because God's love transcends all boundaries. So this table recognizes no boundaries. Here at FCC, we celebrate an open table. This means you do not have to meet any criteria. You do not have to be a member of FCC. You do not have to be baptized. You only need to recognize that God's grace is sufficient. We are your people, God, called together in your love. We are your children, Mother, called around the table of your word. We are your disciples, Lord, called to praise and give you thanks. We, we thank, thank you, good, good and gracious God, God for calling us to be your people, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hands to touch and bless our world. Even as your people, God, we are separated from ourselves, each other, and you, the creator of life. Let us confess our brokenness. As people caught in our tradition, we confess that we have helped perpetuate systems that deny the dignity and sacred worth of all sorts and conditions of persons. We have paid lip service to equality. Our lives are based on discrimination of the other. We have been our own worst enemies. We have failed ourselves, others, and we have failed you, God. Moved by your power, we accuse ourselves because we have not allowed you to form us as a new people. We confess our sin, and we pledge to work for reconciliation with one another. We thank you, gracious God, for forgiveness and the chance to start again. We thank you, gracious God, for the gift of your Spirit given to us in Jesus, in whom we are freed from the past and its oppression, in whom the gift is complete. Gracious God, you are the mother of creation and the father of all life. We are gathered as your people to thank you for your blessings, to receive your mercy and forgiveness, and to remember how Jesus died for us, accepting death to show his love for us and you. We remember, we remember how, how Jesus came to us, becoming one of us, born like us, of flesh and blood and bone, a fully human person like us in all things but sin. We remember how, on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends for one last meal. Siblings, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more, ever. Anyone eating this bread will not die, ever. This is my body, broken for you. Take, eat, remember me. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. When you are joined with me and I with you, 
The harvest is sure to be abundant. I love you as I have been loved. Abide in my love. This is my blood shed for you. Take, drink, remember me. I now invite the stewards to come forward to distribute the elements. Uh, if you're watching from home, now would be a good time for you to get your own elements to represent the bread and the wine, and then we will all partake together. together. Jesus, you are always present in our midst. You come to us simply, lovingly, humbly, in word and sacrament, in this bread and wine, and in the love we share with one another. Let us eat and drink of this bread and wine, remembering Jesus, his teaching, his life, his suffering, his death, and his rising to new life. Let us partake of the elements together.
please rise in body or in spirit and join me in the prayer of communion. Gracious and loving God, you have made us one in the body of Christ and nourished us at your table with holy food and drink. Thank you, you for, for feeding, feeding our hunger and relieving our thirst. With deep gratitude, we offer you our lives, our love, ourselves, gathered in Jesus by your life-giving spirit. May we become a new people, wholly pleasing to you, a people giving glory to your name. Amen. Please be seated. So, uh, welcome again to the Sunday service of Free Community Church, where free stands for first realize everyone's equal. FCC is an inclusive church, and that means you're welcome here regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender identity, socioeconomic status, theological background, or any of the other labels the world puts on you. To those of you who worship with us every week, or those who are joining us for the first time, we wish you welcome home. Well, my name is David, and I'm the service leader today. Um, so if you're new to FCC, uh, please allow us to stay in touch with you. You can scan this QR code or leave us your details at fcc.li slash welcome. You notice it's not la anymore, it's now li, because we lost our domain name, we didn't renew it. So we'll, we'll probably try to get it back, but for now it's fcc.li slash welcome. And we do have a newcomers meeting on the last Sunday of every month, although this month it will be actually be on the 20th of November. So if you want to join this, you can email info at freecomchurch.org. And this will be a short meeting that happens after the service. You can get to meet some of our leaders and find out about our history and our theology. So it's the first Sunday of the month, so we have a financial update. And I am quite amazed, standing here with my jaw dropping, while we are actually... We have already met our target for the building fund. Woohoo! <laughs> so give yourself a big round of applause. And we thank God for God's provision for us and for our ministry. So we've already met our building fund for the year, uh, and our general fund is actually slightly ahead. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of your generous donations to keep this ministry going. Yay! And you know what, what we will do with the building fund surplus is we can actually start to pay down our mortgage a bit earlier. And you know interest rates are going up all over the place. So by paying it down earlier, this actually lowers our interest payment every month. And we can save uh, money, which we can then use for ministry. Uh, likewise, for the general fund, if we do have any surplus, we can actually also possibly move it over to the building fund to also pay off the mortgage. But um, this has actually helps us to possibly dream bigger. We can expand our ministry and uh, the ways we can reach out to people. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone. And please keep on giving because we still have two months to go. <laughs> okay, so uh, for today, you can give by two ways. There's um, by pay now, by scanning the two QR codes for the general fund and the building fund. Or you can give by credit card at freecomchurch.give.asia. That one does have a 1.5% platform fee, but we're grateful for any forms of giving. So now, in, uh, oh yeah, please join me as we pray for the offering. Dear Lord, thank you for your provisions for this church, for supplying us all that we need, and for all the dedicated people who have given of their time, their resources, their talents, their energy, and their love to make this place a safe place where we can welcome home all kinds of people especially those who have been left out from other churches. We pray you continue to bless our ministry and help us to be your hands and your feet 
of love and your grace, a little piece of heaven in this world where things are so rough for so many. So we dedicate this offering to you, and please help us to use it wisely. In Jesus' name, amen. I now invite the stewards to come forward to take up the offering. So if you're on site and you would like to drop cash into the bag, please raise your hand and the stewards will come to you. Uh, in the meantime, we have a few announcements. So the first announcement is that our annual general meeting will be coming up on the 27th of November. So especially for members, please make the time to attend this. It will be at 1.30, so it's after the service. 1.30 to 3.30, 27th of November, and we'll be voting on the budget. We'll be electing officers uh, and maybe making some amendments to the bylaws. But most importantly, you can find out about our plans for the next year, and it's sort of a recap of what we have accomplished this year and also looking forward to next year. So you don't have to be a member to come. If you feel like you're still part of the life of the church, please feel free to attend. It's just you cannot vote unless you're a member. So we hope to see as many of you there as possible. Uh, T-Mart is back. So T-Mart is our way of supporting the transgender community. And we supply them with um, food supplies and uh, goods that they need, which go to the tea shelter. And that's a, a home for homeless transgendered folks. And it also goes to some transgender elderly in the community. So we uh, will do a group buy. All you have to do is go to freecomchurch.org slash tmart, and then you can see what kinds of items are needed and how you can donate. And please do this by the 20th of November, because we're delivering on 27th of November. Any questions, you can contact Wendy at the number there. Uh, we are still looking for people to join the production ministry, especially visual presenters. So visual presenters are the wonderful people up there who make sure the slides are running and all the stuff you see on the screen is controlled by them. It's a tough job, a thankless job, but because when they do it right, nobody notices, you know. They only, you only notice and, oh no, the lyrics are jumping wrongly. Uh, but we appreciate their hard work. Uh, and if you feel like that's something you can do to bless the community, maybe you don't want to be up front speaking and everyone looking at you, but you can be behind the scenes, helping things run, then please uh, sign up at info at freecomchurch.org and then you'll be given a tour and see what goes on behind the scenes and then see how you can be part of that. Um, and we're also looking for volunteers for the welcome team. The well, welcome team is a wonderful ministry because, you know, for people who come to the church for the first time, the welcome team are, is the face of our church. And the most, you know, if you have a heart for really caring for people, loving people and showing them a welcome then this would be a great place for you to serve. You just be upfront, you know, when people come in, you help them to get seated and so forth. So you can contact Sean Lee or email info at Freecom Church to find out how you can join the welcome team. Uh, Lunch Kakis also continues this week. So Lunch Kakis, of course, is for those who are new to the church. Maybe you don't know a lot of people. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm here and I'm just going to slip out the door and not say, talk to anyone. We don't want that to be an experience because we want to welcome you. So if you need someone to eat lunch with, right after the service, um, there'll be someone at the back. And today's lunch kaki will be Lexi. Lexi is in gray. Can you raise your hand? <laughs> okay, so look for Lexi at the back and she'll bring you to the coffee shop nearby to have lunch after the service. Okay, so now I'll ask uh, Pastor Myak to come and talk about our anniversary book. So, next year is our 20th anniversary. 
I need to do that. And one of the, one of the things that we want to do is tell our stories and write it into the book so that we can, number one, uh, remember, but also to share our stories and our faith journeys with people who, um, who are new to us and to witness to God's love throughout these 20 years. So, we're inviting people to send in your stories um, uh, between 300 to 1,000 words uh, or photos or pictures um, that we can publish into a book uh, and some of the um, tiles that we have there will be in the book as well. And please email them to info at freecomchurch.org. Um, we hope to collect all the stories by the 30th or 30th, the end of the year so we can work on the project, get it published, get it you know, designed, layout and everything uh, for in time for anniversary next year. Right? So we don't go crazy or, uh, throughout the year rushing I don't know, for deadlines and stuff. Uh, we hope that everyone can take part. And so we are also looking for um, graphic designers, layout artists for the book so that you know, we can make it a nice book. And it's not just text, but also pictures, right? So um, it's an exciting project. Um, and I think there's power to tell our stories in this book. So email freecomchurch at um, uh, .org. And we have heard you. Um, there is feedback that, you know, when we talk about pastoral counselling, people are afraid to email info at freecomchurch.org because don't know who is reading those emails, right? So we have set up a new email that only the pastors have access to. Um, there's pastors at freecomchurch.org. So um, you don't have to be worried about confidentiality. It just comes to me and Pauline. And we'll try to respond within three to five days to set up a meeting for you. Um, we have to highlight that we prioritize the members and regular attendees of FCC uh, before we address uh, other people's uh, needs. And this is on top of our, our um, other responsibilities. And this is not an emergency service. So if you have an emergency, this is not the email to go to, right? Yeah. So I wanted to let you all know um, that we hear you and we want to create a safe space for you to reach out for help. So it's pastors at freecomchurch.org. And this is not scheduled on our announcements, um, but I want to welcome Molly back, right? I thank all of you for your prayers for her and those of you who have dropped by to visit her in hospital and brought her food. Um, and yeah, and, and also she, I, I remember that what she, she cried during our Zoom meet, prayer meeting for her. Thank you for all your love that you've poured out for her. And I'm so glad she's back with us. Um, and uh, uh, looking, you know, please go and chat with her after service, okay? Yeah. So I would like to invite the worship team to close us in our service. Um, and this is the goodness of God, right? Molly, I think you can be dedicated to God you know, on your behalf. Yeah. Okay, let's all rise once again to celebrate the goodness of God.
your mercy never fails me All my days we've been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head I will sing of the goodness of God the goodness of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire in darkest nights you are close like no other I've known you as a savior I've known you as a the goodness of God. So all our lives, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. The goodness of God, cause your goodness, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. It's running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Oh yes, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. It's running after, it's running after me. All our lives you have been faithful. All our lives you have been so, so. the goodness of God. Yeah, all my life, all my 
good God, God of love and life. We come to you because you are our God who holds us at every stage, in every time, in every space. Whether life, whether we're dead, our souls belong to you. And God, you hold us close and safe. And so now go. Go being people who pray this prayer. Being challenged to understand and to participate as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, grant us that glimpse of heaven here and now as we experience your presence, your love, and as we participate in this work of bringing heaven to earth. So now go. And may our God of love and life go with you now and always. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for service today. Go and have a blessed week ahead.